0: Atta. Good morning, everyone. and wunderschönen guten Morgen. We miss you all greatly and hope that you are all keeping well. I don't know about you, but for us lockdown means a slower pace of life and a greater level of simplicity. We've tackled a few long overdue projects, which has been very satisfying. And as a daily treat, we've been watching an installment of the TV series, The Chosen, each evening. And I must say, we've thoroughly enjoyed looking at the life of Jesus from the perspective of those who interacted with him. I wanted to start today's talk on pilgrimage with a quote from Mark Nepo. To journey without being changed is to be a nomad. To change without journeying is to be a chameleon. To journey and be transformed by the journey is to be a pilgrim. And if you don't remember anything else from my talk today, I would really like you to remember that the very purpose of pilgrimage is transformation. Our reading for today is Psalm 84, which is classified as a pilgrimage psalm. Psalm 84 is a song which was sung by those who traveled to Jerusalem on their pilgrimage. The psalm clearly describes the three major themes of pilgrimage, longing and departure, journey and return. It beautifully expresses the deep longing for intimacy with God that is at the heart of pilgrimage as a spiritual practice. So let's read it. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a blaze of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. The late author and minister, Phyllis Tickle, mentions seven spiritual practices that are at the heart of the Christian tradition. Three of these practices, namely tithing, communion, and fasting, deal with the physical dimension of our lives, whilst the fixed hour, Sabbath, and the liturgical year center around time. Pilgrimage could be seen as the seventh ancient practice a practice that incorporates both the dimensions of physicality and time, which makes it an incarnational alchemy that is full of transformative potential. So what exactly do we mean by pilgrimage? The term pilgrimage is used to describe the outward or physical act of journeying through a strange country to a holy place, as well as the interior journey of the soul in prayer and reflection. The invitation of pilgrimage is ultimately transformation. Whilst tourists travel to destinations, pilgrims know that the process of journeying is just as valuable as the destination itself. Christine Walters-Paintner, in her book The Soul of Pilgrimage, Eight Practices for the Journey Within, describes Pilgrimage as an intentional journey into the experience of unknowing and discomfort, for the sake of stripping away preconceived expectations and the purpose of growing closer to God beyond our imagination and ideas. Historically, pilgrimage flourished in the Middle Ages, but it has become very popular in recent years. People of all religions are now flocking to places of spiritual significance. Many of my friends have it on their bucket list to do a pilgrimage. In 2019, which was the last year before COVID-19, 350,000 pilgrims walked the 800 kilometer of the Santiago de Compostela pilgrimage across Spain and obtained their Compostela certificate. Many people embark on a pilgrimage in times of transition or loss, seeking transformation, meaning and connection along the way. They see pilgrimage as spiritual formation, a journey with and for God. Well, I'm not an expert on the topic, but I have a growing interest in pilgrimage as a metaphor for the spiritual journey. Let me tell you a bit about my own pilgrimage stories. As some of you know, My first pilgrimage was initiated by getting hit by lightning. The fact that I survived and was given a second chance at life made me seriously consider the question of my purpose and my calling. And with this question in mind, I left my homeland and went on a one-year world trip that ended up at a Bible school in Australia. It was there that God clearly spoke to me about moving to New Zealand. And like Frodo, I know now that it can be a dangerous business going out of your door. You step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet, there is no knowing where you might be swept off to. Well, like Frodo, my pilgrimage took me from the known to the unknown and swept me off to (laughs) Middle-earth. My second pilgrimage was done in the comfort of my home in Tietichou and could be labeled an interior pilgrimage. It was offered online and included seven modules that were taught over seven weeks. The invitation here was to set an intention for this pilgrimage to slow down and establish regular rhythms of seeking God. Asking for inspiration, reflecting on the material that was provided, listening to what's stirring inside, journaling, trusting the process, and sharing my journey with fellow seekers on a Facebook site were all important aspects of this pilgrimage. My third pilgrimage was both a traditional pilgrimage and a threshold pilgrimage. Now, traditional pilgrimages are journeys to a sacred location. And in my case, this was the Holy Island of Iona in Scotland. It was also a threshold pilgrimage because it marked the passing of one season of my life to the next and thus invited me to say goodbye to an old chapter of my life or an old way of living and purposefully enter the next season. I had just completed my PhD and set out on this pilgrimage to seek God's guidance for the next steps of my journey. I also wanted to do this pilgrimage on behalf of my husband's health and as a prayer for healing from Parkinson's disease. Well, I must say, this pilgrimage was a truly amazing experience. (coughs) Iona is one of the world's most renowned pilgrimage places. (coughs) Excuse me. It is a small island in the Inner Hebrides on the western coast of Scotland, with a population of 177 people. Iona is known for its Celtic Christian tradition, which emphasizes listening for the heartbeat of God within all things, ourselves, one another, and the whole of creation. It is also known for its monastery, and the Abbey St. Columba, where pilgrims have traveled to for more than 1,500 years to seek God and pray. Everything on the island circles around the 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. service at the Abbey. Iona is one of those thin places where heaven and earth come very close and where the veil between this world and the spiritual and eternal world seems extremely thin. It is truly a sacred place. I'm also part of the Kiwi pilgrimage, which is a New Zealand version of pilgrimage. We are a small group of people Dedicated to the spiritual practice of walking with intent, <clears throat> we walk with an open heart to the landscape, our fellow walkers, and our deeper selves. We walk with an ear inclined to stories of the mana whenua of the land that our feet tread upon. And as a group, we meet about two to three times a year and walk different parts of the Te Araroa trail. Each of these pilgrimages includes meetings with local Maori people who teach us about the history of the particular part of the pilgrimage. Another example of a pilgrimage I regularly practice is a silent retreat. Here we are invited to leave our everyday lives, move into silence, learn from wise teachers, ask difficult questions and try new things and take care of our mind, our body and our soul. Such a time can be seen as a mini pilgrimage. It can be a retreat at a monastery or a secluded retreat center or a quiet place in nature. Such pilgrimages are opportunities to go deeper and come face to face with God and our true self, which can be difficult, but also most rewarding. I have also become more and more aware that this whole life is a pilgrimage. As Christians, we know that we are not from this world, we are heaven-bound. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more homesick for heaven I feel. As pilgrims in this world, we are always on the move towards further insight, transformation, healing, wholeness, and deeper union with God. The Bible is filled with journeys that became pilgrimages. Abraham and Sarah are called away from the land which was familiar. Moses and Miriam lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Mary and Joseph seek a place to give birth. The prodigal son leaves home and returns. The Samaritan woman walks from her own brokenness to the living water. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus are joined by an unexpected guest on their road. All these journeys were movements from one place to another, often to a place that is unfamiliar, foreign and strange. Interestingly, the Latin root of the word pilgrimage, peregrini, means strange or stranger. We therefore can say that the journey to become a pilgrim means becoming a stranger in the service of transformation. Christian Wolters-Painter writes that a pilgrimage is an intentional journey into this experience and discomfort of unknowing for the sake of stripping away preconceived expectations and transformation and renewal. We grow closer to God beyond our imagination and ideas. The Hebrew Bible instructs all Jews to make free pilgrimages to the temple in Jerusalem each year. In spring, for Passover, to celebrate the exodus of the Jewish people from Egypt, Then, seven weeks later, Shavuot, which is an agricultural celebration and also celebrates the giving of the Torah, and Sukkot, or Feast of Tabernacles, which celebrates God's provision of food and protection during the 40 years' journey into the Promised Land. Imagine what would happen if we booked into our busy schedules three pilgrimages a year. Neuroscience teaches us that our brain hardwires everything that we repeatedly do. This is how habits and neuro pathways are formed. So the stories we tell ourselves over and over and the practices we regularly engage in become our default paths. I am sure that the transformative impact of going on a pilgrimage three times a year would be amazing. Whilst each pilgrimage has its own character, there are some commonalities in regard to their stages and processes and practices. Firstly, there is the practice of hearing the call and responding. Each pilgrimage begins with a restlessness, a yearning, a deep longing, a stirring in your heart that speaks of your propensity for change, your need for inspiration, for more closeness or intimacy with God, and for answers to the questions of your soul. Something is unsettling you, moving you out of the familiar, and inviting you on a journey. The first four verses of the pilgrimage psalm speak about that. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist admires the birds that were able to build their nests in the temple courtyards near the altar of God and he longs to be as close as them to the sanctuary where God is found. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. The longings in our heart will help us to formulate our quest. When I went to Iona, my quest was twofold. I journeyed on behalf of my husband's health, and in search for guidance or a new direction. As pilgrims we journey with intention and are always searching for a response to our request or our quest. The second practice has to do with traveling lightly. Pilgrimage embraces simplicity and invites us to let go and release we leave behind our many tasks and obligations. This stage often includes bringing the current chapter of our life to an end, tidying up loose ends and or metaphorically or literally bringing our house in order. In my case, I packed away all the articles and the books that I had used for my PhD, having brought closure to this season freed me to embrace what was ahead to set on a pilgrimage is to throw down a challenge to everyday life pilgrimage by its very nature undoes certainty it rejects the safe and familiar sameness can be an enemy of spirituality, and by leaving the familiar, we create an openness within to new possibilities. Travelling lightly might include the letting go of possessions that we don't need anymore, the letting go of commitments that no longer enliven us, the letting go of relationships that drain us of energy, and the letting go of limiting beliefs and ideas. The next step in the pilgrimage is the pilgrimage itself, which is the crossing of a threshold towards an intentional awareness of God's presence. And for this practice, we adopt a posture of anticipation. We move away from fixed expectations of how God will meet us, and we develop an openness and posture of curiosity, expectancy, receptivity, and attention towards all that comes our way in response to our quest. This phase is a contemplative phase. We've emptied ourselves of our own agenda and are now open to receive, always waiting for a special and meaningful encounter inside or inspiration, something that will bring forth a shift of some sort in our thinking and transformation. Then there is the practice of making the way by walking. Martin Buber wrote, all journeys have secret destinations of which the traveler is unaware. We find out that the pilgrimage has its own rhythm and momentum. We learn that there are secret destinations that reveal themselves as our path unfolds. We learn to yield our desire to control the outcome and unfolding of the journey and surrender our egos and our willfulness for a larger wisdom to move through us. We let go of forcing or manipulating things and allow God to work within us. Next, there is the practice of being uncomfortable and embracing the unknown. Phil Cosino in The Art of Pilgrimage wrote If your journey is indeed a pilgrimage, a soulful journey, It will be rigorous. Ancient wisdom suggests if you aren't trembling as you approach the sacred, it isn't the real thing. The sacred in its various guises as holy ground art or knowledge evokes emotion and commotion. The invitation here is not to run away when things become challenging, complex or even perplexing, but to stay present to the discomfort and to push right into and through the pain. Developing the capacity to endure and remain open to difficult feelings is part of the movement towards spiritual maturity. This might include showing hospitality to our tender places and being present to the uncomfortable parts within that call to you for some welcome. In our psalm, this is expressed in verse 6. As we pass through the valley of Baka, Baka means weeping and sorrow, and the valley of Baca was known as an arid place. The psalm suggests that if our desire is to get closer to God, then our sorrows and our tears will, as we face them, become sources of refreshment and fertility. Our suffering becomes a gift. And then comes the encounter after all the toil and trouble, after all the sunburn and swelling, after all the anticipation comes deciding the encounter. This is the climax of the journey, the epiphany, the moment of breakthrough, when the answer to your quest appears. When you arrive at this place of your heart's desire, you might feel a sense of quivering excitement, trembling, and a shift. You have stepped over the threshold into the liminal space and have come into contact with God. Time and place slow down. This is a holy moment to savor. You sink into the lap of the sacred. This moment welcomes and transforms you. You have found your treasure and the answer to your quest. It might be a moment where, like Job, you say, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. On my pilgrimage to Iona, there were several moments like that. One of them happened when I walked past a row of beautiful igloo-shaped guest houses, and God clearly spoke to me about building a small retreat place on our property. The other was when five young women asked me every evening for a new installment of my faith story. They showed a particular interest in the spiritual disciplines that I engaged in, the way God spoke to me and guided me, and the way psychological healing had come about in my life. I then knew that I needed to use these ideas and write a book. And lastly, there is the practice of integration and return. There is a beautiful English word called boon, which describes the blessing or the gift received on a pilgrimage. At the culmination of the journey, the pilgrim returns home, brings back the boon, and integrates this into their life. We return home, changed by the journey, bearing treasure. We bring back the gift of transformation and the gift of possibility. We return with a story of our belonging our belonging to ourself, God, and the world. We are the boon that is given to our community. In our psalm, this is a deep knowledge that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. A resolve that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked an experience of the Lord God being my son and shield, the Lord having bestowed favor and honor, and a deep knowing upon me that no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. May I finish this talk with a blessing for your very own personal pilgrimage and the time ahead of you. Let us pray. I bless your feet and pray that they might carry you forward in this season to new horizons and new possibilities. I bless your hands and pray that they might help you to give form to your very own and unique creative expressions. I bless your heart and pray that you gain courage to not hold back but speak your truth. I bless your lips and pray that you take in that which is most nourishing for your body and soul. I bless your spirit and pray that your intuition, discernment and inner wisdom help to guide you on your way. I bless you in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit for the journey ahead. Amen.